Okay, so the third in our series of Christian ethics, and tonight I want to look at the uh, topic of euthanasia. Uh, there is a plan to do definitely one more after tonight. Uh, whether we go on further than that, uh, I'm not sure at this point. Uh, euthanasia is a bit of a hot topic, I think. Anybody who keeps their eye on the news uh, will know. The, uh, you may recognize that the face of that man, David Nicholson, who had, uh, was in the news a couple of years ago, had locked-in syndrome uh, and uh, was f- uh, fighting for the right to have somebody take his life. Uh, he wasn't able to do it himself, uh, and he wanted a medical practitioner to be able to do it without facing prosecution. And uh, it's difficult uh, not to be moved by stories like that, isn't it? Uh, euthanasia comes from a Greek word which means good death Uh, and uh, if you consider the arguments that people put forward for euthanasia usually they come down into two two categories the first argument is one uh, of compassion it's argued that it's compassionate and merciful to allow somebody who's, who's suffering pain Uh, or has no quality of life, however you define that, uh, to put them out of their suffering. Uh, It's often said, well, you wouldn't allow an animal to suffer, uh, so why why a human? The next argument usually comes down to a person's autonomy, their their individual rights or freedoms. Uh, The argument is that a person said as has the right to decide what happens to their life and that includes the right to to live or to die Uh, and it's right to feel sympathy isn't it as Christians for those who are suffering pain there is no doubt about that but we need to consider what the biblical position is uh, as far as we can work it out on this this topic of of euthanasia just need to define a few terms first of all so that we're clear uh, what we are talking about. Uh, euthanasia is divided into two main areas. There's what is called active euthanasia, which is the termination of life, uh, usually by the lethal injection of a medical practitioner. Uh, that's Usually, of three, there are three subcategories of that. There is what's called voluntary active euthanasia, which is where the patient requests to die, as in the case of Tony Nicholson. There's non-voluntary euthanasia. That's where perhaps a patient is in a, in a coma and unable to request to die. And that currently is, is illegal, Uh, in all countries Uh, and there's what's called involuntary active euthanasia where a person is is put to death against their wishes usually that's considered murder that final one and then we have what's called passive euthanasia uh, and that's the termination of of life by withholding care, medical care of some description. So it might be medical care uh, 
where you are you stop doing something that is needed to keep the patient alive uh, or you stop doing uh, something necessary uh, or, or you, oh, sorry I've got uh, you don't do something necessary to keep the patient alive or you stop doing something that's that's keeping the patient alive if you can understand the difference there and so that might include uh, switching off a life support machine or removing a feeding tube or not carrying out some life extending operation uh, or or not giving some life extending drugs they would all come into the category of passive euthanasia and again there are two distinctions here there's what's called natural passive euthanasia which is where you remove uh, life prolonging equipment uh, equipment that is uh, prolonging life it's like a support machine uh, if you took that equipment away the patient would would die naturally and there's unnatural passive euthanasia and that would be the removal of something that is life-sustaining like food or air or oxygen the natural means of of sustaining life so these lot of these there's a lot of these terms and, and there's it's perhaps difficult to to get your head around these different categories but but I'm going to try to try to do that I must apologize I, I forgot to print off the notes for this evening so so I'll get them to you uh, if you want them uh, on Sunday but those are some terms first of all now we're interested really in what the bible has to say about the topic and as we saw with the with abortion last week the bible doesn't speak directly about the subject of of euthanasia if you look up the word euthanasia in the bible you'll be disappointed it's not there but we can understand some general principles which will guide us in 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 trying to come to some understanding of, of, of what the Bible's principles are behind this topic and that's where I want you to start really this evening I've got some scriptures there uh, the first group of scriptures are on uh, around the subject of, of life and and death life and killing we might say and the second group of scriptures there are on the subject of pain and, and, and suffering because that's a that's an important issue as well that we need to consider what the bible's view is on pain and what the bible's view is on killing so i don't know i think possibly there's almost four pe people on each table and you could half of you half on each table could look up the left hand side and the other half on the table could look on up the right hand side to save you a bit of time and then and then maybe just share between you uh, briefly what what you what you've discovered so if, if that's the best way, divide yourself in that way, or I, I suggest you don't go through all the verses as a whole, or it'll take you all, all evening to do that. But that's where I'd like you to start anyway. Okay, if I can uh, stop you there, and uh, we'll try and uh, pull together all that the Bible teaches on these matters, and there's an awful lot in those verses. Uh, but uh, from the very start of the Bible, we, 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 know, we understand that God created 
all things. All things belong to him. That includes uh, life. Uh, and uh, just because a person doesn't believe in God doesn't, doesn't change that. Uh, so God creates all things. And it's very, we're very clear about that. All things belong to him, including life, as we see in those verses. If you, any, if you pick up anything else as well from the verses as I'm going through, please, please butt in and, and add to, to this. Uh, Killing of other human beings is forbidden. Uh, that's very clear. Uh, although the Bible does, as we hopefully you saw from that passage in Exodus 21, make a distinction between manslaughter and murder. They are treated differently. And that's why the cities of refuge were set up for, some, for, for the case of manslaughter. Uh, but even then... Uh, as the passage in Leviticus, God required that you don't do anything to endanger your neighbor's life. Uh, it's uh, a principle there, health and safety, we might say, is, is embedded in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the Bible. Uh, and life is never to be taken for any reason. Uh, it's uh, only in the case of, of justice... That, that the Bible permits life to be taken. Uh, and uh, even the Bible views war as being an act of justice. Uh, when Israel was, was, was asked to engage in war against the, the enemies of Israel, they were in fact, because they were enemies of Israel, they were by, uh, de facto enemies of God as well. And, and, the, and, the, and it's part of God's justice on, often on the evil of those nations. Uh, so we're quite clear uh, that murder uh, is wrong. Uh, we're also very clear that from this passage in Job that life is God's to give and it's also God's to take away as well. Uh, that passage there when Satan comes to to God and says he wants to uh, hurt uh, Job and, and God is very clear about the limits with which Satan can, can, can go on that matter. Uh, and so we don't have the right to take life. We don't even have the right to take our own life. Uh, and when, when we murder or, or if we were to commit suicide, then we're taking away from God what is his right uh, and that makes it morally wrong from a from a biblical perspective now if anything else you want to add from those of you who looked at that those passages anything else you you thought as you were going through everybody happy that that was what they felt the bible was teaching uh, okay Okay, then some of you end then to look on to, on to look at the subject of pain and, and, and suffering. And uh, the first thing that we can see uh, from those passages really in Genesis is that it was not part of God's original creation. Uh, pain and suffering were part of God's curse because of mankind's sin, but they were not part of the original creation. And so in a sense... 
pain is a reminder to us of that fact. It's a, it's a reminder to us of, of sin. It's a reminder to us that creation is out of harmony with, with, with God. There's a disharmony there. And it's a reminder also that men and women are by nature enemies of God. So that's one way of considering pain. The other thing is to, is to see that pain also serves as a signpost to the Lord Jesus Christ. We see clearly that, that the Christ suffered. He suffered for our sins to make atonement for us on the cross. And Christ suffered a greater pain and greater agony than any, anyone else, any other, other human will ever, ever suffer. And Paul reminds us that it, it is our privilege to suffer for him as well. And also we, 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 we see in the Bible that suffering has a purpose in God's plan for us. For one thing, it, it strengthens our character, it strengthens our faith. So pain has, has a purpose in God's plan for us. And also, pain reminds us that, that we live in, in the last days. You know, they have that, that uh, passage about, uh, about the pains of childbirth we were, we were, we were joking about. But, but it's looking forward to a day when there will be no more pain. When a new heaven and a new earth will be brought about. And so it's a reminder to us that, that things are not always going to be as they are. That we have as Christians a hope uh, as those passages uh, reveal. So is there anything else the people who looked at pain, anything else that you want to, uh, to comment on? Uh, I want to ask you, though, think back to the, to the very beginning and, and, and the two arguments that are often uh, placed for euthanasia, that it's compassionate and humans have the right. We are autonomous beings. How, from a Christian point of view, would you argue against those two points of view, if you would argue against those points of view. Perhaps you can just have one minute in your groups to, to think about that. How you, you argue against the compassionate arguments and how would you argue against the autonomous argument? Do you want to have a talk about that in your groups? So from a biblical perspective... Compassionate is, is doing good to a person and ushering a person to death who's going to face judgment uh, and then hell. That we could never consider that as uh, as being good, yeah, for that person. And there's also the the thought that a person experiencing the the love and kindness of a believer at a time of great suffering might be the the catalyst for that person. Coming to, coming to Christ themselves. Uh, and also, as we've mentioned earlier, for the Christian, and, and that might be, I heard an idol saying, well, well, does that mean for a Christian who knows they're going to heaven, does hastening their death, is that good for them? In fact, Paul said, didn't he? For me to live is Christ, but to die is, is gain. So, But the point then is that, we, you know, the Bible 
Well, there's the argument that the Bible says that taking life is wrong. It's God's right to do that. But also we know we, we've got a, an, 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 a, a better understanding of, of pain now. And we know that God has purposes for us in pain, good purposes for us in pain. That, uh, so what about the argument of autonomy then, uh, that, that a person has, a right, has the right to do, to take their own life? or to have somebody take their own life for them. Are humans free, totally free, to make decisions, to make the right decisions? Why not? So, uh, so human beings are, are tainted in every part by sin, and sin affects their decisions and their, their judgment to make the right, right decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's only a transformed mind uh, and the work of the Holy Spirit that can help a person to, to make uh, those, those decisions, the right decisions, yeah. Uh, so the idea that we are actually autonomous and, and can make the right judgments, right decisions, is an illusion because the Bible reveals we're, bo we're born as slaves to sin. Uh, sin affects every part of us. Now, just a couple of more further arguments that, that we, can, we can put to these people. Um, I'm, not a, I'm not a doctor, but I understand that the advances in palliative care are such that it is not necessary now for, for, for people with the advances in palliative care to, to suffer extreme, extreme pain. And the other issue that is very important is that if euthanasia was to be permitted in our land for, for the, the, the very few people who would need it it's the wider impact it would have you know people's changes or attitudes to life and death would, would, would inevitably change uh, if life is less sacred then people's views are going to change those people who are, are severely disabled and uh, and or, or elderly who feel they're, they're a burden maybe on, on their families or on societies would, would, would perhaps feel that it would be uh, for them better or for their families better that they, they, had, they took their lives. That they, uh, and so that, that's, that, that would change the whole way we think about life and death and it would... Uh, change would make would make it the, the, you know uh, change the demarcation between justifiable and unjustifiable killing, and that's been the experience in countries where where uh, this has happened. I was reading about the Netherlands, and their euthanasia is permitted under certain circumstances, and it's just been a wedge which has which has uh, got bigger and bigger as these things happen. And, and there have been cases there where doctors have, have been taking it into their own, own hands to decide whether somebody should live or die. Uh, so uh, there's, there's further arguments there. Now, I just want to keep an eye on the time, really. Uh, we've perhaps got five more minutes. What about the case of passive euthanasia? Uh, you remember we talked about that, uh, the withholding of medical care, 
that is keeping somebody who perhaps who is terminally ill alive, uh, withholding that. Uh, what what is our position on that? Is is it permissible uh, to allow somebody to die? You know, to turn off the life support machine. You know, what what would be your view, or what should be our view on that? Is is there a difference between? If you remember that the natural passive euthanasia and unnatural passive euthanasia. The, the last one is when you, with, you, you, you stop feeding somebody, you stop giving them water, and you, and, and you, uh, so you withdraw the natural means of life. Is, is there a difference there, a distinction? But I think there is a general principle, and there, again, there are grey areas in between these, but, but in the case of natural passive, that's the removal of life-prolonging equipment, in other words, you are just prolonging a person's death, uh, that generally that is morally justifiable uh, because you are resisting the, na a natural, the natural process of, of death there. Uh, in the case of unnatural passive, that the, remo the removal of food, water, air, the natural means uh, of living, of life, uh, as Nigel pointed out, that that generally is, is not morally justifiable. But again, there's a, I'm, I'm saying there, there, are, there is a grey area which, uh, uh, when, it, I get, when it comes to artificial, I think artificial feeding or... Uh, but it's, it's, this, it's, this, it's, it's this idea of, of when we are, are... Are we preserving life or are, are we just prolonging a person's death? You know, that's... And that's what... I think that's where it comes, yeah. comes down to and it's making that, that decision. Because uh, it's right for Christians to preserve life, but, but, but I, I don't think there's any justification for prolonging a person's death, if you see what I mean. And, and, and some treatment just prolongs death. And just one final point before we close, because we need to close that, this, but, but at some point in the future, each one of us is going to probably face end of life. And the decisions that we make then can have an, an impact on our family members who are going to have to make ethical decisions about sw switching off support, what, you know, whether, what, what particular treatments that we have. And some of the medical advances that we now have are creating these, these, uh, these ethical problems. And, and I think, uh, I think we were, you're talking on this table again about the do not resuscitate uh, message. And that, that is something which, which as Christians, we, 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 we shouldn't fear death. We've talked about death being gain. So, uh, I suppose I want to put this thought to you, you know, why would you, why as Christians would we want to create ethical dilemmas for our families uh, that are unnecessary if we're going to go to a, a better place anyway? So, something perhaps to think about ourselves because we'll all at some point probably face, face this, these difficult decisions to make.